Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 12th of July 2015, entitled The All-Embracing Prayer of Christ. And the Bible reading is taken from John chapter 17, verses 20 and 21. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. Okay, the Gospel of John chapter 17, we find recorded for us here what I call the Lord's Prayer. Some people would call what I would call the model prayer, the Lord's Prayer. The model prayer was teaching them how to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. But this is the prayer that the Lord prayed himself as he neared the end of his time here upon this earth. I'm going to begin, if you'd like to stand, to honor the reading of his holy word I'm going to read verses 20 and 21 to start with, and then we're going to go back and just break down this chapter in a few simple thoughts about what I'm simply going to call this evening the all-embracing prayer of Christ. The all-embracing prayer of Christ. In John chapter 17, verse 20 and 21, Jesus said, Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also, which shall believe on me through their word that they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. Father, we thank you this evening that we have the privilege, Lord, to have your word before us, that you've preserved for us. And Lord, we do believe with all of our hearts that you've preserved it right down through the centuries, that we have it here before us this evening and Lord, we also thank you for your Holy Spirit that lives and dwells within us. And Lord, we pray that here this evening as we gather together, that it's the power of that Spirit that would speak to our hearts. Help us, Lord. Help us to gain that from your word this evening. Lord, that would take and do in our lives what you would have done, accomplish what you would have accomplished to make us what you would have us to be. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. The all-embracing prayer of Christ. There's many things that we could take from this prayer, but it is the prayer of our Lord Jesus Christ that's recorded for us in Scripture, giving us, as far as we know, what seems to be the whole prayer that the Lord Jesus prayed here at this time. And so as we look at this this evening, I want you to recognize just a few things about it that I call it all-embracing because it embraces, first of all, heaven and its prerogative. What is a prerogative? It's a right. What right does anybody have to pray? What right did Jesus have to pray here? Well, his right, he says here, first of all, in verse 1, these words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy son, that thy son also may glorify thee. First of all, Jesus had the right to be heard here because of his heavenly relationship, because of who he was and who he was in relationship to God the Father. It's hard for us sometimes, I realize. You know, sometimes I guess somebody that doesn't, that doesn't know God, that doesn't have the Holy Spirit to, to help them, 
And sometimes they think that we're really some weird people that think that Jesus Christ could be both the Son of God and God himself. But we find that Jesus had the right, the prerogative to pray this prayer, first of all, because of who he was, but secondly, because of what he did, because of his finished work at Calvary. You see, he goes on here to say, as thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. You see, the prayer of the Lord Jesus Christ, it embraces all of heaven. <laughs> he had a prerogative. He had a right to pray this prayer because of who he was, his relationship. He also had the prayer here because of what he did in his redemptive work. He came and he had finished and he was about to go to Calvary. You see, he's walked all these miles. Now he is 33 and a half years old. He's getting ready to go and shed that blood. He's getting ready to go and pay the price that no one else could pay. It's him, Jesus. He's praying this prayer. And of course, I think that we can almost see in these words that, you know, Jesus did what he did because he loved us. But I think that it's hard for us to grasp too what it must have been like for him to be separated from his father. We, we get a taste sometimes of what it's like when we're separated from our loved ones down here. When we go off on a trip or they go off on a trip or there's, there's all this distance between us, Sometimes we get a little bit homesick. I think, you know, that there is no question that Jesus would have felt some of that for his father, for what he had had with him, the relationship. He had left the glory of heaven to come to this earth to accomplish the work that he did. And, of course, as he prays this prayer, again, I think it's hard for us to grasp. Jesus knew everything that lay ahead for him. He knew what was awaiting him in the halls of Pilate. He knew what was awaiting him when they would mock him and when they would nail him to that tree. But we know. We talked about this morning being on the winning side. We talked about this battle that is raging between the, the dark principalities and powers of this world and the powers of God. But I want to tell you, that as Jesus is praying this prayer right here, as Jesus, the Son of God, as God himself, as he's praying this prayer, he also knows not only what he is about to face as Jesus Christ, but he also knows specifically that as he's about to go to that cross and what they do to him, that he will defeat death once and for all. The victory is going to be his. He knows that with absolute certainty. That's what he came here for, was to die upon that cross, to pay that price, and to rise the third dead, showing that he had conquered death, hell, and the grave himself. So Jesus' prayer, 
The prayer that he's praying that's recorded for us here, it is a prayer that embraces heaven itself. It embraces heaven itself. And is right, there was absolutely nobody upon this earth that had a greater right to pray to God the Father than Jesus Christ did. And do you know that we could go on, but it's not our point here, but we need to keep in mind that just as Jesus had the prerogative to go to God the Father to pray here because of who he was, because of what he had done, and because of what he was about to finish, you and I today, if we have any right to approach the throne of God, it's through the right that Jesus had. It's through the prerogative that he had. None of us, we have no prerogative on, on our own. We have nothing that we can demand of God, that we can go to God for who we are. We're just vile sinners that deserve nothing but death. But because of Jesus, because of who he was, and because of what he did, just as he goes to God the Father here, you and I have that same approach today. We can approach God the Father because not of our prerogative, but because of the prerogative of Jesus Christ himself that he had here. His prayer embraces all of heaven. And if our prayers are to embrace heaven, if they're to make it to heaven at all, then it's only going to be through him and because of him. But one of the things that is so exciting about this prayer is that this prayer that he prays here, it not only embraces all of heaven and includes all that's there, but it embraces all believers. We find that, first of all, his prayer was for his disciples that had walked with him, that he was trying to prepare here for what was coming. He goes on and he says in verse 6, I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them to me, and they have kept thy word. Now they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee. For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came out from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. Father, I'm praying for these that you've given to me. Yes, they belong to God. God created them in the beginning. Yes, God, but you've given them to me. And I know that they have believed. You see, you gave me the words and I gave them to them. And, you know, Jesus Christ himself was the living word. We have before us here this evening just as surely the written word. Jesus spoke these words alive in the flesh as he prayed here upon this earth. We still have those words alive today on the pages of the Word of God that he's given to us. But we find here that this prayer was for the disciples, and it was for their reception of the Word of God and what they had done in believing the message that he had brought. But notice it goes on as he continues to pray for these. He says, I pray for them. I pray not for the world but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. His prayer here is for the believer, those that belong to him. He goes on and said, and all mine are thine, and all thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. Lord, 
They can't belong to me without belonging to you and they can't belong to you without belonging to me. We're all one. He says, and now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world and I come to thee. Jesus knows. His time here is approaching the end. He is about to leave this world, but he also knows that these, his followers, are still going to be here in this world. Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are one. Lord, I'm getting ready to leave this world. But these that you've given to me, they're going to remain here. I'm praying for them, Lord, those that you've given me, that they might be unified together as you and I are unified. He said, while I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me, I have kept, and none of them is lost but the son of perdition. Every one, this is a great point for eternal security as well, everyone that had been given to him, he had kept, he had lost none of them except the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. The only one was Judas. And now come I to thee, and these things I speak in the world that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. You see, he's praying for his, first of all, he's praying for these that that have put their faith in him, for the unity of them with him and the Father. But secondly here, he's praying for their security against all the, the powers and the evils of this world. He's praying that there will be no alliance between his followers and this world, just as there is none between himself and this world. We can't, we can't. So many try to, to hang on to the world with one hand and to, and to Christ with the other. He's praying here, no, there can't be that kind of alliance. You can't be part of the world, part of him. His, his prayer here is, in, is embracing these that have, have believed upon his word. And he's praying for them not only that they would be kept secure, but he's praying here for their sanctification, that they would be set apart, that they would be different, that they would be not tainted by the sins of this world. Notice what he says. He says in verse 17, sanctify them. Through thy truth, thy word is truth. We'll never be clean without his word. We'll never be clean. We know that it's the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanseth us from sins. We're not taken away from that. We're talking about here after one has become a believer, after those sins have gone under the blood. He says that it's the word of God that will sanctify us, that will cleanse us, that will keep us clean from that. I don't mean this to sound gross, 
But I've met a few people in this world that could do with a bath. <laughs> I've met a few people in this world that were so dirty that you literally had to maybe hold your breath a little bit. Now, some of them couldn't help it, maybe. Some of them were just too lazy to do anything about it. <laughs> but the truth is, is that spiritually, we can begin to stink like the world. We can begin to smell like the world. The dirt can begin to cling and, and, and build upon us because, because we don't cleanse ourselves, because we're not clean, because we're not taking a bath in the Word of God. You see, Jesus is praying that his believers would be cleansed, would be sanctified, would be set apart from the filth and the dirt of this world through his Word here he goes on and he says in verse 18, As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Of course, Jesus, there was never a cleaner person that walked the face of this earth, but he set himself apart not for his sins, but for our sins. But he's praying here for those that follow him. He's praying that they would be not only saved and secure, but that they would be sanctified by his word, that they would be cleansed, that they would be set apart. Jesus is praying that prayer for his followers. He goes on and he prays really because there's so much division, so much bickering, so much fighting. You know, in families down here, one of the saddest things to see a lot of times is when a family becomes separated, when they're no longer unified, when the love is no longer seen, when there's divisions and there's bitterness and there's sometimes even hatred. <laughs> but Jesus is praying here that the children of God would not have those divisions that they would be one family, that they would be unified. Notice what he, what he prays here as he continues. In verse 20, he says, Neither pray I for these alone, who? For his followers that he had right there, his apostles that he was preparing for his departure then. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. For you and I, for each and every one of us, for all those that would believe later. Yes, I'm praying for all those followers, for those that have believed. But Lord, I'm praying the same prayer for all those that will believe in the future. That they all may be one. As thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us. That the world may believe that thou hast sent me. In other words, in all of this, he's the one that's going to be glorified. Others are going to believe when we are unified with him. We can do nothing on our own. But he's praying for us here that we might be one just as God the Father and God the Son are one. You can't get any more oneness than that. Father, I pray for these that they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me, and the glory which thou hast gavest me, I have given them, 
that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, thou in me, that they be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. Boy, there's a lot there, but Jesus, boy, the relationship, the relationship between the Son and the Father. This is a relationship that has been since before the foundation of this world. But he's praying for that kind of everlasting, eternal, unbroken relationship for us, between us, but between us and him, that we would have that same relationship. And yes, I believe that there is a future here that they will be with me one day. And he's talking about eternity, which one day we're looking for him to come back and we will physically be with him. But just as assuredly, he's with us right now. He's living within us in the spirit. He wants us to know he's here with us. He was praying for himself to be here with us. You know, it's so real. And he wants us to know that. And he wants us to know that we're, we're not alone. Jesus Christ as he's about to go to Calvary, is praying out a prayer here that embraces all of heaven. But aren't you glad that it embraces all of the believers for all time? It embraces you and I here this evening. This is what the Lord Jesus Christ was praying for us. But it embraces something else here. You know that he said there a few minutes ago that... Uh, he wasn't praying for the world, but he was praying for those that God had given to him. So it's no contradiction, but I want to say to you that the prayer of Jesus here, it embraced all of heaven in its prerogative, in its right, and it still does. It embraces all believers of all time in his petition to God the Father for us, but it does embrace the world in its purpose. You see, there's only one purpose that Jesus Christ came. That was for the salvation of mankind. We must never, ever forget that. He came for our salvation. He came for our security. He came for our sanctification. All those things that he's praying here for, he came for the unity that we would be one with him and with the Father. We said... Many, many times from his pulpit, salvation, that the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. You see, Jesus knows. He's certain. He's certain that the work that he came to do will be accomplished. And Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. He didn't come into this world to be a good carpenter. He didn't come into this world to impress them there in the temple. He didn't come into this world to be a good example, though he is the greatest example that ever lived. He didn't come just to be a good man, though he is the greatest man that ever walked this earth. Jesus came to die for our sins, 
that souls could be saved. And I do not apologize. I've said time and time and time again, that is his purpose for you. That is his purpose in your life. And if you're not fulfilling that purpose, then may I say to you, you're wasting your life. You're wasting your life. You might be accomplishing all kinds of other things out here that the world might be real impressed with. But if you're not accomplishing the purpose that God has in your life, you'd be better off if he would take you out of here and take you on to heaven. We would miss you, surely. We would miss each other. But I'm saying heaven is far better. It's not the ones that leave that are hurting when someone dies. It's those that are left behind. Those that leave, that are prepared to leave, that are ready to leave. You see, Jesus knows. He knows exactly what he's come to do, and he knows exactly what he wants here. And that's what he said back there in verse 21. What did he say? That they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us. Why? Why does he want us one with God, one with the Father? Is that not one with God's purpose? (laughs) He says that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. No, he wasn't praying for the world's sanctification and those things that can only come to a believer, but he is praying that the world would come to know Jesus Christ. He's praying for their salvation, that the world may believe that thou, God, hast sent me to this world, that they might believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and who he is and all that he has come to accomplish. You see, this is the prayer that Jesus prayed before going to the cross. And the prayer that Jesus prayed here, it embraced all of heaven in its prerogative. He is the one, the only one that had the right to go to God the Father with those prayers. But it not only embraced all of heaven in its prerogative, it embraced all believers of all time in his petition. He was praying for all those that had already followed him and all those that would still follow him. But it also embraced the world in its purpose that they might come to believe and know that Jesus Christ died on the cross for them, that he paid the price, that he rose the third day. His prayer is concluded with these words. And I have declared unto them thy name and will declare it, that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them and I, Jesus, in them. The prayer of Jesus Christ, the all-embracing prayer of Jesus Christ, (laughs) For me to think that Jesus, before he went to die on that cross, you see, right down through over 2,000 years later to us sitting here tonight and to pray for you and I, he loved you that much. He was praying for you. He was praying for that first essential in prayer, and that's the relationship with the Father. He was praying for our relationship with Christ, that we would be one with him in this world. He was praying for the purpose. You see, we've got all these flags up. 
we talk about missions. But you see, the whole purpose of Christ was a mission that the world might believe, that the world would know who he was. And that's still our mission. And Jesus Christ prayed for us to accomplish that. And so at those times when maybe we feel like that we just want to throw up our hands, <laughs> maybe we feel like that we're not accomplishing it all. God has a purpose for you, just as Jesus did. Jesus prayed for you. Jesus prayed for your salvation. Jesus prayed for your sanctification, for your cleansing. He prayed for your security against this world. Jesus Christ prayed that you and I, because of our relationship with him, our love for him and his love for us and our love one for another, this world could some come to see, to know the love that God has for them. Father, our prayers are so, so pitiful in comparison. But Lord, to think that our Savior with what was before him Lord, he wasn't praying for things to be easier on him. He wasn't praying that, Lord, he would be able to bypass what he was coming to. He was praying for us. He was praying for our salvation, for our relationship with you. He was praying for us to be set apart from this evil world around us. He was praying for our security against all those evils that might come against us. Lord, he was praying that your purpose that his purpose might continue to be fulfilled through us, that others would come to know because of our relationship, because of our relationship with him, because of who he is, that they would come to recognize and realize, Lord, that that salvation can be theirs, that he came to save them. So help us this evening, Lord. Help us to be encouraged and strengthened. And just realizing what Jesus was praying for us. It encourages us when we pray for one another. It encourages us to know that other people are praying for us. But Lord, if nobody else ever prayed for us, here's a prayer that Jesus prayed for us. Help us today to be encouraged and strengthened by that fact that he knew us. He prayed for us. We can have that confidence this evening. Of course, in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. 